Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be chatting about Beverly Hills Matchmaker Reveals Behind the Scenes Secrets. Now come on, whether you're a woman or a man, you have got to be curious about what it's like to be a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, what kind of secrets she gets to know about that uh, the, the two people who she's matching up don't find out. Um, she gets the, the truth about how they feel about each other and what they want and so on. Um, she, she will tell you today about how she goes about finding love for the lovelorn. And um, I'm sure we can all recognize some things that she's going to tell us about her clients in ourselves. So welcome to the show. It's Marla Martinson, and she's the author of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. Welcome, Marla. Hello, Dr. Carol. Nice to be with you. <laughs> it's great to be with you. You've, uh, let me say up front that you've written um, three books. Uh, Beverly, Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker is your third. First there was Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting, then Good Date, Bad Date, and then Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. And I'm starting, I'm starting with the last one, but I'm sure we will <laughs> go back um, and talk about some of the others too. But uh, <laughs> tell us about, first of all, how you became an, a Beverly Hills Matchmaker and um, what it was like, you did it from, you started in 2001, and you're still doing it, although now you're doing it privately. Right. And um, uh, obviously, you know, you've had, it's, your book talks about some of your successes, uh, how exciting it is to put people together who do find love, who are soulmates, um, and some of the frustrations of people having unrealistic expectations. So... Why don't you uh, tell us about your journey? Okay, well, I, yeah, 2001, I got a job at a video dating service out here in Los Angeles. It was actually a friend of my husband. We weren't married yet. I was dating my husband, and he had a friend who was taking over the management position. And I had been an actress and worked in the restaurant industry for many, many years and always a creative type of person, and I'd never done anything like that, but I said, let me give it a try. I needed a part-time gig while I was going on auditions, and I started, uh, I was the videographer, and I I felt like a movie director making these little films of of the single people, because uh, they would come in and look at uh, profiles of, of potential matches, and then they'd look at a video, so they would select their own dates, and I had a yeah, blast. Are you talking about that. Great Expectations? Yeah, it was Great Expectations. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really fun. I stayed there for a year and a half, and then after that, I ended up answering an ad in the back of a, a actor's magazine because I was looking for another part-time job, and I fell upon a, a matchmaking service in Beverly Hills. I had no idea what kind of job I was going for because they didn't say what it was. They just needed a recruiter. And I was recruiting beautiful um, single women for the upscale financially uh, you know, like CEOs of companies and these guys, uh, wealthier guys who were too busy to go on the Internet, didn't want to go to a bar, so they'd, they'd hire a matchmaker to find someone. So 
I stayed there for almost seven years. I ended up being the vice president of matchmaking and mm-hmm. and making a lot of wonderful matches. And even in my book, Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, there's a wedding in there. So that was the most um, rewarding part of the job. And I, it really turned into a career that I never expected. But but my creative side had to come out, so I did write the books. Yes, and I guess um, you started doing that. The first one, excuse me, your soul wait, mate is waiting how far into it? I mean, it was from your experiences in doing matchmaking. Right. When I was at uh, Great Expectations, people were telling me what they wanted in a partner, men and women. They'd tell me their experiences on the date. So I started keeping notes at that point because I thought, I mm. just might have some material for a book. Mm. And so actually it was, excuse me, Your Soulmate is Waiting came out in 2008, so I probably started it in 2005. So, you know, just I was keeping notes, and then I thought about it, and then decided to write it. So it was a process of, of a few years. Well, you know, just to go back for a minute to um, the videos, um, I'm sure you coached the people, to when they were making their videos, into how to make themselves most appealing to the opposite sex. What kinds of things did you tell them? Right, like I would ask them questions. So I'd say, you know, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. What are your interests and hobbies, what do you love to do? So then they'd open up and talk about them and and a little bit about their lifestyle. And then I'd say, what do you, and this was the most interesting to me where I really started to think, I want to share this because when I'd ask a man, what are you looking for in a woman? 99% of the men would say the exact same things. And then when I'd ask a woman, what Mm -hmm. are you looking for in a man? And 99% of the women would say the exact same thing. So uh, men would say, first thing the man would talk about is the woman's looks, mm-hmm. slender, attractive, and then they'd say smart and good sense of humor and romantic. And the women would start off with uh, other traits, such as sense of humor was uh, usually top, uh, successful, caring, loyal, and then they'd go into the looks, if at all. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, men are visual, and it, and it really is a big difference there, and it was very prominent. I mean, I found found out about that from the get-go with interviewing hundreds of, of people. Yes. And and how did you, um, you know, a lot of people when they do this, or, or especially if they've never been in front of a video camera before, I mean, professionally, um, are very, and this is, they're very self-conscious about being rejected, that who's going to look at this and, and go next. Um, so how did you get them to sort of show a more appealing side rather than being stiff and uncomfortable. Yeah, some people were always going to be a little more quiet. I'd have to pull it out of them. I, we we went in the room together, just the two of us, and I think they felt comfortable with me, and we'd chat. And then some people were just let, lit up on the camera, and they were the pe- kind of people that are very outgoing and easy to talk to. And then other people, I'd have to pull teeth. I'd have to ask more questions and, and really get them going. And there was... Sometimes there's nothing you can do. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. not going to be as sparkly on camera. Mm-hmm. Did you edit these tapes, or did you just take several retakes? Or we we didn't edit. They were really only a bit, like four to six minutes long, mm-hmm. and I could do them over if somebody messed up or something. We could just tape right over and do another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they turned out great. And then they had professional photographers over there as well, so their profile was done by so they'd have a nice picture. And which which counts a lot. And I did notice how when the women came in, there was one woman who who came in and she was very attractive. She had a great job. She was educated. She was a great catch, and she wore a suit that covered everything mm. in her picture. 
And then other women would come in and, and have like maybe a flirty little dress, show a little bit of cleavage, really smiling, and that woman would get selected all the time and the woman in the suit only a couple times. Yes, that's yeah. so interesting, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, because men felt intimidated by the woman in the suit. Yeah, or they, yeah, they, she didn't look as feminine or they just were drawn, you know, again, men are visual. And even though the one in the suit was very attractive, they saw, wow, this other woman, she's got a great figure. I can see she looks fun. She looks flirty. She looks, yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, of course, yeah. of course, sex. Well, sex, the other one. <laughs> she looks like she would have sex down the, the line. State. <laughs> Which one would they have a better chance with? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't have to... Uh, I wouldn't have to do too much. Um, okay, well then let's move on to the to the matchmaking. Um, so, how, what were some of your thoughts as you? Uh, that was an interesting background to come from, and then start to work on people in in greater depth. What was that like, making that transition and, and getting to you know talk to these people at greater depth? Yeah, it was very interesting because over at Great Expectations, people selected their own matches, even though I did kind of play Cupid because since I got to meet everybody that came mm. in the door, often I'd say to a woman, hey, you've got to check this new guy out. Go check his profile. I saw him, and he's great. Or, um, And then sometimes often they'd reject the person because of the picture, and that would frustrate me because I'd say, no, 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 but you don't understand. He's not photogenic. He was stiff in the picture, or he looks way better. Or, And then I couldn't convince him. And so hmm. when I went to the matchmaking company, we didn't show pictures. We, oh, really? They would... Um, We'd say, well, the owner would say, look, if you want to see pictures, uh, go on Match.com. You know, if you want to, are coming to us, you've got to trust us mm. to to uh, know what we're doing. So we wouldn't show the pictures, but we'd give a good description. If they looked like a celebrity, we'd tell them or how to, you know, we'd give the height and weight and hair color and they look like this and whatever, and then give them their lifestyle and hobbies. So they got a good idea, and then they'd speak to them on the phone and then meet in person. But it, it was quite a difference because of the fact that sometimes they'd want to see a picture or then the feedback was very interesting to get because I didn't always get that at the other place. So, And you'd see there's a lot of the feedback in Diaries of Beverly Hills Matchmaker. That's part of the humor because sometimes I was so blown away by, by some of these um, responses. And it, interestingly enough, sometimes I'd wonder if the man and the woman were even on the same date because mm. the feedback was so different. Well, give give us an example. Well, for example, one thing that I, I would come across often was both parties would tell me that all the other person did all night was talk about themselves. <laughs> so that I'm thinking, well, who was really talking if they both thought that the other person was talking only about themselves? Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Uh, recently, I had a, a couple go out. And the after the date, the, it was about 10 p.m., and the guy called me up on my cell phone, and he says, Marla... I'm at home now, and I'm pouring myself a scotch. He says, "I this was the worst date I ever had. He says, she was not engaged. She wasn't looking at me. I was pulling out all the stops. I was using my best jokes and my charm, and I couldn't get her to, to engage. And, and I, ah, I'm just pouring myself a cocktail. <laughs> so then the next day I called her, and I said, hey, uh, how, did, how was your date with John? And she says, well, I thought it was great. He's a really nice guy. And I said, well, I told her what he thought. And she says, well, I was a little shy because I'd never been on a blind date before and, and is all. And so I just did feel a little bit 
shy. But she thought it. See, he thought it was the worst date of his life, and he had to have a drink yes. after. She thought it was a great date. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so, did they did they go out again? No, they didn't huh. go out again. Huh? Next, he said, he went on to the next. <laughs> did, but you told him that she said that it was just because she was shy because it was a first date. Right, right. But, but it didn't. You, you didn't want to. <laughs> you wanted more. Uh, didn't want to get another shot. Wanted somebody more engaging. Yeah, there are more some people. <laughs> yeah, there are some people who are really comfortable and they'll just be able to chit chat with anybody, and it's not a problem. And then there's other people. It's going to take a little bit. So. so what do you do? Okay, so um, when you were with that company, and then we'll talk about what you do now. I don't know if that's different. Um, but when you were with the company, uh, the matchmaking company, how did the process work? Uh, for men, and how did it work for women as far as getting them to be a client? Mm-hmm. Well, the men uh, were the paying clients, and uh, like I said, they were more upscale financially, uh, very busy. Some of the one guy who came, he owned 20 companies, and so no wonder he couldn't find a woman. He had no time, and unfortunately, even when he did join, he didn't have time to meet wow. the ladies I introduced him to, but that will often be, be the case. So they'll come in and decide to join the service, and they'll pay, and then, then they would come to me and sit down with me for an hour, or more, and I'd get to know them and find out what their lifestyle is, uh, what kind of woman they're looking for, do they, you know, all the little things. Do they want kids? Do they have kids? Religion, this, that. So then I will go through the database of the women who the women didn't pay, and I'd see, get some ideas, write some names down on the file, and then I'd start with one, and, and I would uh, call her first and oh, tell her all about oh, him. I think I hear. Yes, I do. I think oh, I, okay. I hear music. We have... <laughs> We have to uh, take a break. Um, we'll go back. We'll come back to where we left off. This is all fascinating stuff. My guest today is Marla Mortensen. She's the author of Diary of Beverly Hills Matchmaker. And when we come back, we'll be hearing some more matchmaking secrets. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com 
or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Marla Mortensen. She's the author of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, and she's uh, revealing the behind-the-scenes secrets of what that's like. And before the break, um, I was asking you about how uh, people, clients, get, um, you know, get started in your service. Um, I know also you you sometimes go to the men's homes to when you interview them to get a real feel for who they are. Right, and especially now that I have my own uh company, I I have gone to several. I love to do that if if they live close by because I I can tell the girl, you know, I've been to his home. It's a beautiful five-bedroom home with a pool and he has great taste in decorating and and they just feel more comfortable as well that um, because here they're going to meet a, a man who's virtually a stranger. They're just going on my recommendation. So knowing that I know them, that I've been to their home, that I really like them and feel comfortable, that gives them a, a feeling of safeness and comfort. And so I, I do often. I let, and it's fascinating to me to see some of these guys houses and then um, the other day I went over to one guy's house and he had one of those expensive Ferraris that cost like $400,000. He let me sit in it in his garage. He started it up and and you know it was kind of fun. Well, do you do any kind of um uh in uh, invest private investigator type of investigation or a check of whether um he's ever been arrested or any kind of check like that? Don't do that, and I've never had a problem. I I get to know the guys pretty well. It's kind of like a little family. We're always in contact. I get feedback from the women, and I just think most guys who would have some kind of bad background would go online or something. They wouldn't be coming and mm-hmm. spending thousands of dollars. Probably. I just I, it's never. I've only had really great guys and never found out any anything. And how do the guys? 
find you, whether it was through your company, you know, the, the company you worked for, or now your private company? Right. The company that I worked for did a lot of advertising in upscale magazines. Um, and then they had their website, and, and they mostly through advertising. But me, I'm smaller now, and it's been word of mouth. And it's, you know, I have a small group of quality guys. And what I like about having my own is that I can select and I'll only work with men that I like and that I feel I can get into a relationship. When I worked at the big company, I had to match whoever the owner signed up. And sometimes I didn't really uh, um, feel that some of those guys should have been signed up or or that I could really match them. And, and that was always a challenge. So now I, I feel so relaxed about, you know, stress-free that, that the guys that I have are really good guys that I think can get into a relationship and that I'm proud to call the ladies and, and introduce them. Do you ever, um, what if a guy comes to you, and then we'll talk about the ladies too, but what if a guy comes to you and besides, you know, obviously having the money to pay for the service, there's something, I don't know, let's say he's, um, there's something about him that you that you don't think is going to be very easily matchable. Do you tell the guy that, or do you just try harder to find a woman who would mm-hmm. like him? Well, there's one. This just happened. Uh, a guy from out of state contacted me because he'd read my book. Excuse me, your soulmate is waiting, and it, it has a spiritual side, a law of attraction, and he's really into that. So he contacted me and said, "I want you to be my matchmaker. I think you you know you can find me my soulmate." And then we spoke, and he sent a picture, and he looked very cute, and I liked him. And, and uh, But then he gave me his list that he was looking for, and it was just going to be, I felt, too difficult because he wanted a woman in her 30s that never had kids and didn't, didn't want kids or have kids. He wanted a very, very slim build. He wanted. Um, he didn't care for pets. He wanted her to relocate. Just the whole wow. the list, the combination of that list, I felt that I, I wasn't going to be able to find. And he was going to be sending me the money and signing the contract. And I, I called him. I said, wait a minute. I said, I can't take your money. Don't, don't uh, do it because I don't think I can find you. And maybe I could find you one person, but I, I don't think I could do it. And he says, wow, I really like your integrity that you would, were willing not to take my money. He says, I really want to work with you, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, listen, let's try one, one trip out here, one month. So he paid me a smaller fee for just one trip. And I was able to, to get him, I think, four matches for that trip. And he goes, you see, you're better than you thought you were. <laughs> and then he came out again this month and met three more ladies. And one of them, they really hit it off. They saw each other three times. Huh. So so I will tell them if I think, gosh, I don't know, I'm just honest because I don't want to be in the position where I, I'm, I can't sleep at night thinking how in the world am I going to find him somebody. Yes. Well, yeah. did you help him to sort of shape his requests and maybe be uh, a little more flexible? Yeah, I took him to my spiritual center, which he wanted to go to, and we had we went to the service, and then they had this spiritual mind treatment after. I said, you can pray for your soulmate, and he did it. And afterward, the next day, he says, you know what? That was such a great experience. I think huh. I'm going to loosen up. Uh, there's other things that are, that are important, uh, more important in a person than a couple of the things that I was a stickler on physically. Huh. So he, I think it loosened him up a little bit. Well, that's very interesting. You know, that probably would work uh, for um, for a lot of the men that uh, you know who have these these lists. Um, you know, even if they were, even if there weren't as many things on their list, still, like if you were able to get a lot of men to to sort of realize that really what they want, it's it's more about wanting to show other men 
um, that they can get a trophy wife or girlfriend or, you know, um, rather than, I mean, some of these other things in the end, of course, are more important, but at the beginning, they, they think they want to prove that they're, that they're so hot by having this list that, that is hard to match. Yeah, they, they, in, in Los Angeles, they see all these beautiful women and, the, and what the media shows us and the beautiful girls running around here, and, and they think they have to have that. But um, in reality, yes, the guy has to be attracted. They're, they're visual, but they a lot of times need to loosen up because in the end, like you said, I mean, everybody's looks are going to fade a bit. Who knows what could happen? You want somebody who's going to be there in the end with you. If if you have an illness, if you, what if you lose an arm or a leg? Are they going to be? Are they going to stand by you? So right. it's really um, important to to kind of take a look a little deeper. Right. Well, that's just an interesting. Um, it's an interesting thought. Um, and this could be the cure for the idea of taking people getting well. I mean, I guess it's not getting people to be, even for women, too, it's not just men, to to um, be in a more spiritual place before sort of making their list of, of uh, demands that really are coming from their own insecurities rather than something that's absolutely necessary. Yeah, and I tell guys, I said, look, it's not like when you order your car, you're ordering leather seats <laughs> and a stereo system and air conditioning. You know, these, these are your humans. So you've got to be a little bit more flexible and, and look at some other qualities and to make the whole package. So, so let's talk about how did you get um, when you were with the company and how now do you get the women? The women, I've, I know so many women from being in the industry for nine years. Um, I also have a couple of recruiters who, who send me girls and then women that are happy with my services, they send their friends. Or people read my books, or they see my website. So they, they're, or I'll even my husband. He's he he's an entertainer, and he plays music live in Beverly Hills four nights a week. And often he'll come home with a business card of a woman and say, "Oh, I met this woman. She was a ten. She's beautiful." And and, and the other night was funny because he said she came on to me and said, "I like Latin men." And he <gasps> says, "Well, he says I'm happily married, but my wife's a wonderful matchmaker. Here's her <laughs> card." And so he helps me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's he likes great, to tell his friends, I, my wife gives me permission to look at other women. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great marketing tool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us about some, some of the um, stories or some of the demands. Or, uh, well, when, when, <laughs> I can't talk. When women come to you, um, what do you do to screen them? How do you get them involved in the process? Well, the women, um, I have to, I take on the women that I know that, see, I know exactly what my guys are looking for, so I've got that all in my head running through, and and so if I meet a woman and she comes to me and I can tell, of course they want the women to be in shape and a certain level of attractiveness and intelligence, and the guys are looking for the whole package, so I I just get some amazing women. This this week already, I've well, today I met another uh, woman, she was just, Fabulous, and last week four more. I've I've been getting these amazing women coming to me, so I'm so excited to to try to match them up, and I'll sit with them and find out what their lifestyles like, what they're looking for in a guy, and and sometimes the the ladies can be picky too, especially the I think the number one thing that women kind of are sticklers on is a, the height of a man. So if I get a client, he's five five, five six, five seven, it can be a huge challenge because even the petite girls who are Five two say sometimes I only date guys six feet and up, or I, huh. you know, so that gets 
I try to get women to loosen up because the average American male is 5'9". So uh, women are missing out on a lot of great guys when they count that out. Hmm. I mean, that's interesting that the uh, that that's the average height of a man. I would have thought it was taller. Yeah, um, I looked it up. I had to look it up because the average American woman's five four, and the average male is five nine. And I looked it up specifically because I had so many women wanting six feet and up. So I wanted the data to back it up and say, "Hey, the average is this." So loosen up a little bit. <laughs> Um, so what kinds of, um, so how many weddings have you, uh, uh, matched up? I've, I've had many, many people get married over the years. I don't even know how many, um, because I used to like kind of keep track during the year, like, wow, six already this year or whatever. But there was a lot of couples that went, were dating and they went on to probably get married and I never knew about it Mm. because they didn't always let me, let me know. I was only invited to, to one wedding and that was fabulous, and I talk about that in the book, um, because a lot of couples didn't want to, people to know that they were... Oh, wow, that they were matched up. Right. Huh. So even now I have a client who said he wants to refer some of his friends to me because I got him in a relationship with his last girlfriend that lasted like a year and a half, and then they broke up. And he says, well, they're waiting to see what my results are. And I said, but... You already had great results. Why don't you tell them? He goes, no, 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 no. I can't tell oh. them. We said that we met at a concert. And oh. so I'm like, why can't you tell them I matched you? <laughs> <laughs> but some reason they didn't want to, so I, that's fine. As long as people are hooking up and getting married and they're happy, I don't need to be publicly acknowledged. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we do need to take another break. My guest is Marla Martinson. She is the author of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker, and that is what she is, and she's taking us behind the scenes of what really goes on when the uh, when people try to find love. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. 
Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today about a, a Beverly with a Beverly Hills matchmaker who is revealing behind-the-scenes secrets of finding love for the lovelorn. And, you know, it's interesting, Marla. Um, I think it's gotten a lot. Certainly I've been involved in, uh, in, you know, as a psychiatrist helping people with relationships and with my first book, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them and When to Leave Them, and now my new book coming out in November, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. Needless to say, I have been very focused on relationships and um, clearly, it has been getting harder over the years uh, for people to find their soulmate. What have you found in, in your matchmaking? It is. There's all these amazing single people that I meet, and, and a lot of women in their 40s, I find, that have never been married and are still looking for a great guy. And these are dynamic, beautiful, articulate ladies. And I've been married three times. <laughs> So sometimes I look so you've at these been it up. <laughs> yeah, and I say, you know, what happened here? How can that, you know, you haven't even been married once. You're you're great, you know. So yeah. some of the women have been holding out for the big fish. They're still hoping to get. There's a woman that I know of in town who's 48 now, and her friend says, well, she's waiting for a. Gu- she wants to meet a guy with a private plane. And, you know, another woman came to me, she was in her 40s, and says, I want to meet a billionaire. It wasn't even, you know, used to be a millionaire. Now she says, no, I want to date a billionaire. And so they're just remaining single because they they see these things, I think, on TV or the red carpets around here and the celebrities, and they think, I want that too. But the time is ticking away, and instead of just concentrating on finding a great quality person, who makes a good living, but you're going to maybe have to be partners and, and both work together, they're holding out to, like, for celebrity status. Yes, so that, it's, yeah. it's really sad. It also psychologically has to do with uh, each generation having more and more divorces uh, because that makes people more afraid of intimacy. And so sometimes when they put up these barriers or these lists, it's also because they're, they know it's sort of impossible or at least very difficult, and it's a way to avoid getting close to a man or a woman. Yeah, it must be subconscious that they don't even realize because they seem to be out there looking, yes, but not finding. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, I wanted to, in your book, you talk about um, your own relationship. Now, you said you've been married three times. What were, um, <laughs> I don't know, I, I remember you mentioning one of the other marriages. What, well, how yeah, old were I, you? I left out the first one. It, ah, it was sort of, I thought I only came across two. Okay. The first one was when I was 18, and, you know, it was... It was kind of like a Romeo and Juliet, hormones flying, and, and uh, I had lived in Iran uh, as a teenager and, and with my family, and when the Iranian Revolution happened, we had to come back to the country, and I had met a boy there, and he came, his parents sent him to this country, and there was, we were worried he'd get sent back and mm. be in the Iraq-Iran war and get killed, and so we married, and it was just a really... I. Don't even, sometimes I don't even count it because it wasn't. We were too young to even be married. Yeah. So that just lasted a few years, and then at 27, I married a French chef, and uh-huh. uh, which was I shouldn't have done, but he was so darn cute, and he made a great risotto. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned to speak French, and I was married to him for seven years. And then when I was 39, I met my husband Adolfo, and and we've been married for eight years, and together nine and a half. And uh, this is it. You know, I was, I was mature enough at that point to make a good decision and, and had done a lot of work on myself. And between the French one and this one, I had five years to go crazy dating when I was in Chicago. And I dated a lot and did a lot of work on myself and read a lot of books and went to workshops and kind of um, good thing I did because then I was able to appreciate Adolfo. And uh, otherwise, I probably would have messed it up, like, you know, made wrong decisions like I did in the past. So tell us about that, how um, when you met Adolfo, it was a natural kind of thing. You weren't matched. You, it was just sort of a natural feeling that he was your soulmate as compared to people that come to you with their lists. So t- tell us about that. Yeah, I had met a woman um, named Sabrina, who is the manager of Adolfo's apartment building. We met at Rite Aid one night. I had to go up there to get some a prescription, and I met her in the vitamin section, and we started chatting. And I had moved back to Los Angeles from Chicago. My father had just died. A, a boyfriend had broken up with me. I had to give up my job and apartment in Chicago, so I was kind of just getting my bearings back and doing a lot of spiritual work and just taking it easy and and uh when she, so when I met her we started hanging out we'd go to dinner comedy clubs and and we became fast friends and she started telling me about this guy that lived in her apartment building and he's a musician and she'd say he does this and that and she'd always talk about him so I said well maybe I should meet this guy and so she says yes she was all into astrology and she says I've checked your chart <laughs> he's your next lover and you're a perfect match and I just know it and I said well okay I'll you know meet him and so I always liked the foreign guys you know and and so he was from Mexico City and I thought oh I can practice my Spanish and so anyway we went to where he was uh, playing in Marina Playa del Rey and he was playing the piano and singing and we walked in and I walked right up to the piano and he stood up and I liked how he looked which I didn't expect to because usually when you meet a random person it's you know that you're not attracted and more often than not, so I was pleasantly surprised. And then he sat down with us on his break, and we were talking, and and uh, we've been together ever since. <laughs> and you know, so it's kind of ironic because that Sabrina was a matchmaker. Yeah, and it wasn't like meant to be. Meant she didn't mean to be a matchmaker, right. but she she was my, our matchmaker. So of course, Adolfo says, "I owe Sabrina for the rest of my life." You know, I owe her one. And so she was kind of like our little angel. But but see, he with the, when I was dating all those five years, 
no guy would, would admit they were in a relationship with me. They wouldn't call me their girlfriend. They'd say, oh, no, no, we're not in a relationship. I'm not ready for a relationship. Or they'd never call back. So I had zero expectations when I met Adolfo. He, he, we went out, and then in my mind, it's like, okay, well, he might call me again, and he might not. And I'm fine either way. But he said that the next day after uh, our second date, he was after when he dropped me off, he was driving up to his garage, and he said to himself, I'm going to marry that girl. Hmm. Yeah, so he knew. And um, so you couldn't help uh, you comparing um, your relationship with the way that some of these women, the things that they wanted and the things that they thought were important in the men and the men that they scoffed at um, and the reasons why they scoffed. You right. know, about the cars and about... Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, a good thing I wasn't like some of those women with all the, this list that I had to have because Adolfo picked me up in this, I think it was a 91 Daihatsu, he called the Predator. You know, it was practically falling apart. And, and I just got in the car, and he took me out, and he was such a gentleman. And, and you know, he wasn't rich, but he was making making a decent living and had a nice apartment and, you know, no roommate situations. <laughs> he was a, He was a grown-up. But um, yeah, the things when when I then when I was matchmaking and women would refuse dates with a guy. One woman said she was giving me a list of. She says, "Well, if he drives a BMW, it has to be uh, such and such series. But if it's this series, I wouldn't date him." Or I was just blown away. I'm like, I don't even know which car is which. <laughs> and another woman refused to date with a guy because he showed up in a truck. He had a Mercedes at home, but he had <laughs> come from somewhere else, and he had his truck with him, and she wouldn't even get in, in the car. Well, did you, do you ever say to these women, you know, look, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong things. This is not what you should really be look. I mean, sure, it's nice the more money a man has, but, but there are things that are a lot more important, such as his being faithful and his being, you know, nurturing and so on and so on. Yes, I do. I talk to them about it, but some of them just have it in their mind. That's what they want. And maybe the guy does have a lot of money, but see, the men are onto it, too, because sometimes a guy, let's say he has three cars. He's got a Lamborghini, he has a Mercedes, and then he has his Range Rover or something. He'll purposely yes. take his Range Rover to the date to see her reaction and see if she wants to see him again, because they're afraid that if they pull out the big guns, they don't know if the girl likes them for, for him or for yes. maybe what he has. So they get nervous about that. Yes, so they test them they'll at test the, the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, it is. It is really unfortunate that that there are all these uh, all these false kinds of things that we put in our own way to finding love. Mm-hmm. And and I understand it's it's in our DNA to to going back thousands of years the man is the provider and the woman's the nurturer and so we want a man who could provide for the family and everything that's understandable but we have to adjust you know we have a bad economy and and nowadays everything's expensive the man and the woman often have to work and the people making a couple hundred thousand a year is like what want the top one or two percent in the world so but when they come to big cities and you see all that glamour it's easy to get these girls will get stars in their eyes and think, well, I want that. I want a guy to provide all this, and I want to be jetting off here and there. So I do in my books and when I coach people and whenever I talk to women, I, I always encourage them to get your own career, educate yourself, get passionate about something so that you can provide all those things for yourself 
And then if a, if you do happen to marry a wealthy guy, that's just, you know, um, whipped cream on top of the sundae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, the other thing is uh, age. You talk about that in your book, that... Um, you know, men want 20-year-olds or, or uh, even if, if they're 80. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. I had a patient um, who... Uh, oh, I hear the music. The music. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. God, this hour is going by so quickly. Well, well, we'll have to get back to that. My guest today is Marla Martinson. Her book is Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. We'll give you information about how you can... Reach Marla, buy her book, and so on in the next segment. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With Beverly Hills matchmaker Marla Martinson, the author of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. Uh, before the break, I was starting to say that I have a patient um, who, when she came to me some years ago, um, was approximately 72. And she had been divorced for many years, and she had given up on ever finding love. Now, obviously, 72 is not... Um, <laughs> the top not on the top of the list of uh, a lot of men but i got her to join different um 
matchmaking services and great expectations that we were talking about before. And, and <laughs> every week when she would come in, I would ask her about her progress. And uh, I'm sure at the beginning she was doing this just to placate me. But um, she started getting into it. She started going out with men, and she was um, she was very charming and very sweet, and she had several men wanting to marry her. And um, and she finally picked one man, and I sort of um, had made him come in for a couple of sessions so I could check out, you know, what his, whether he was really in love or whether he had any ulterior motives. And um, he seemed in love, and they got married, and they were married for um, about 10 years. Um, he, he just recently passed away this year, but um, it was really like a Romeo and Juliet love affair. And I'm mentioning this because um, people should not give up. Whatever their circumstances or whatever it is that they think that there is about themselves, that um, you know may not be at the top of somebody's list. Uh, you know, there's there's there are soulmates out there for everybody, and um, and the key thing is just having confidence in yourself that you do have something to offer, whether it's you know um, a private jet or whether it's uh, being a size two or you know it doesn't have to be those kinds of things. In other words, there are plenty of other qualities. Um, that people who are actually interested in finding love will see and appreciate. Marla? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you're a great cook or you're, you're a wonderful skier or you play golf because oftentimes at that age bracket, people aren't really looking, you know, for a sex partner or to show off somebody. They want a, they want a companion. They want a life partner with a little romance thrown in. So, so it's more about finding, finding your best friend that you can love as well. And, uh, no, it's never too late. I even had a man in his uh, 80s uh, come in, and I laugh about that this one because people often want to lie about their age, and we, you know, hear that about online dating. People put the wrong age, and they'd come in to me and want, often want to put, the, put a younger age. And this guy, he, he said he was 83, but a young 83, he told <laughs> me. I'm a young 83. And then I found out from a woman that he dated that he was actually 87. <laughs> so he was uh, in his 80s lying about his age. So I thought that was kind of cute. It doesn't change, you know. Well, you know, I just want to go back to what you said about a sex partner. Um, this <laughs> this woman had the best sex she ever had. Oh, well, good for her. <laughs> so don't, uh, you know, don't, I wouldn't put a... Um, uh, ceiling on on age and sex. It's right. um, <laughs> there's no ceiling, but off, but so it could go either way, I guess. You know. Yes, I mean obviously, even regardless of the age, there are people who are 20 who um, aren't necessarily interested in 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 having as much sex as their partner. So obviously, right. that's a personal choice. Um, well, tell us about how people can get your book and how they can get in touch with you. Well, my website is www.marlamartinson.com, and it's M-A-R-L-A-M-A-R-T-E-N-S-O-N. And I've got all my information on there, and my book is on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or at your local Barnes & Noble bookstore. And uh, I love to hear from readers and and hear from listeners, and my email is on my website. Oh, cool. So that was Marla Martinson, M-A-R-L-A, M-A-R-T-E-N-S-O-N dot com. Yes. And yes, there's all kinds of little things that you can click on and uh, find very interesting. 
Um, so what is your, where do you go from here? Are you, are, do you have another book in the works? I'm working on another book and just working on my business, matching people up. Um, so I really, those are two things I'm passionate about, the matchmaking and the writing. I really love, love the writing, the creativity. And uh, I, that's, that's pretty much what it is. You want to give us a little hint about the upcoming book? Um, well, it's about a, a continuation of Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. There will be more of, of me at the company, and then partway through I leave the company and start my own Cupid for Hire. Oh, so, I see, I see. Yeah. Um, uh, so it it will take it will start where this one leaves off, and then following you into your into your own company. Yes, yeah, with more adventures and and funny and and after I did leave uh, that company, which we call Double D in in the in the book, um, I wasn't sure I wanted to to continue being a matchmaker. So I was, and there's a recession, and so there's some funny stories of me going on Craigslist and going on some interesting job interviews huh. and <laughs> then in the end I decide to open my own my own service. Now I take it that the names in the book are are fictitious names, right? Correct. Except for me, my husband, my mom, some friends the the real names, but everybody else's name and descriptions have been changed. Yes, because you include some um emails Right. And the emails are true, just the names aren't, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the emails are very interesting. You just the very, they were too, I couldn't have made them up. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, they're too, too real sounding. Well, what advice, we only have a couple of minutes left, what advice would you uh, give to people who are looking the, for, for their soulmate? Well, you know, in in my first book, Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting, I teach people how looking can actually push people away. Um, I use a lot of the law of attraction and affirmations and and have people work on themselves so that they don't have that desperate energy. Yes. Because a lot of people, I used to have it myself, you're out there looking and you're desperate and and, uh, is he the one, is she the one, and, you know, I'm so miserable. and, And so people can just sense that. So when you're very happy and centered and happy with your own life, with or without a partner, that's when you become kind of magnetic and, and sparkly and, and you're going to attract a, a wonderful person in your life. Yes. So I'd say don't try too hard and don't don't make that your full focus of, of everything you're doing in your life. Um, and it'll automatically happen. Because when I stopped looking, that well, I say stop looking and start attracting. That's one of the chapters mm-hmm. in that book. And, and that's what I did. I said to myself, I may never uh, get married again. I may never find the right guy. I'm going to work on myself. Started going to a spiritual center, started meditating, started taking classes uh, to improve myself. And within two months, I met Adolfo. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, well, you're sort of a, um, <laughs> it's interesting, it's sort of a, um, uh, one, some of what you write talks about sort of finding love for yourself, and some of it is uh, encourage. some of what you do is encouraging people to use a matchmaker. So yeah, you, you can still mostly. use a matchmaker, but just not putting out, you know, there's nothing wrong with somebody setting you up and you going out on a date yes, to meet somebody, yes. but not putting that desperation on it, um, and uh, Yes, it push. You know what I mean. It's yes, you still got to get out there. You still have. You, they're not going to come knocking on your door. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you have to be proactive, but without putting too much on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will. I want to first of all thank you very much 
for joining me on Dr. Carol's Couch. Again, that was Marla Martinson. Her book is Diary of a Beverly Hills Matchmaker. Her website is marlamartinson.com, and there are lots of goodies there. And I want to give you a little tease. Um, you can. Um, my book is going to be coming out in November, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. I don't want to give out too many secrets about it right now, but you will be hearing, <laughs> you'll be hearing more from me as we get closer to the publication date. And um, in the meantime, you can um, go to uh, Facebook and friend me on Ask Dr. Carol, and you'll hear more about the status of what's going on with, uh, with the book and the book tour and so on. So, uh, so <laughs> here, all, all this help today to help you find the love that you all, everybody deserves. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.